My purpose is my passion. My passion is to teach young folks, young people, our millennials, our students about how to make a difference that is meaningful in their life, in everything they do. Thanks for tuning in to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where purpose drives our actions and our actions are a result of our purpose. When you have a strong enough purpose, every action you take in life has meaning and power to it. Every entrepreneur is on a journey to fulfill their purpose, and the world needs to hear it. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. All right, welcome to the Purposeful Story Podcast. Today we have Ruben Berga, professor, business owner, father, husband. This guy, he has a powerful message. Um, when I graduated from school, um, he was a teacher in my final year. And, you know, he was just probably one, the be- one of the best teachers I've, I've had. And, you know, I followed him after school into Toastmasters, you know, built a relationship with this guy. And, you know, I don't want to talk you guys ear off, but <laughs> Ruben, thanks for coming on the show today, man. Thank you, Kobe. I'm looking forward to this. This is, this is amazing, man. You, you do it all. Like, let's start from the beginnings. I want to hear okay. the beginnings of Ruben. Where, where were you born? That's a, that's a really good question because every story has a beginning. I was born in Peru, South America, but I left Peru when I was very young about five years old, we went to Quebec. So we actually moved to a French part of Quebec and lived there for probably about six years. And when you say we, was that? Um- Myself, uh, my mom and dad, essentially, my father moved over to Canada for job purposes. He was a mining engineer and lots of mining up in Northern, Northern Quebec. So from there, we shifted over to Toronto again, uh, because of my father's job. But what that does is, um, from my viewpoint, it helps me see different viewpoints on life. So I shifted from a French Canadian culture into a Toronto English Canadian culture. So I went through my primary education in Quebec, my secondary education in Ontario. Got my degree in mechanical engineering out of University of Toronto in, in Toronto. And my first job was in the GTA area in, in, uh, actually in Mississauga, working for a major multinational. And very soon into that job, I started becoming, uh, involved and engaged with people out there in the field. You know, engineering is a very, um, practical profession. There's a lot of problem solving. But after a while, I started getting a little bit bored with uh, solving just problems. I wanted to deal with people and solve their problems. So getting into engineering, yeah. though, was that something you always wanted to do? I did. Yeah. I did. Because in, in back of my mind, I always liked to look at engines, looked at problems and how do I solve it? I also had a second side to myself, which was really thinking about stories, narratives, dealing with people. But that story kind of was in the background because my father is an engineer. You know, you always want to do what your father does, right? So I followed in his footsteps. I became an engineer and I loved what I was doing, really loved it until I realized I loved dealing with people even more. So part of my job when I started working for this company in Mississauga was to go out there in the field and do training for uh, other engineers. And when you do training, you start finding out what is the value set that the individual has. 
Because when they're explained to you why something doesn't work, a lot of times it's not so much that it doesn't work, is that they're not relating to the problem. So my job was to help them relate to that problem. So that was good. That was really interesting. And then an opportunity came up to work overseas. And I took that opportunity. Myself, my wife, and my daughter, who had just been born, we moved over to Hong Kong. And we worked in Southeast Asia for four years. Now, before you go on, like yeah. you're, it's, you're doing a lot of moving because you came from a Peru. Lot. Yeah. And did you did you know how to speak English when you moved to um, Quebec at that time? No, or? no. See, see, that's interesting thing. Uh, as a five year old child, your your mind is a sponge, so I could only speak Spanish. I moved to Quebec. I learned French, and. At without that point, losing I, your, without losing your Spanish, without losing my Spanish, because we kept the Spanish going at home, and then the French was shifted over to English when I went over to Ontario. Okay. So without losing my French and Spanish, I learned English. It wasn't that easy because obviously you're a lot older at that point. I was eleven or twelve. Learning English was a little bit more troublesome. And then as I really started dealing with people. I really had a lot more English skills, particularly when you start training, you get to practice how to speak publicly. Now, once I moved over to Asia, one of the things that was really interesting for myself, my wife, and, and our daughter was how to assimilate in a different culture. So we went ahead and took uh, some courses. I actually learned a little bit of Cantonese, enough to get around in Hong Kong. I also picked up uh, some Japanese because one of our headquarters was in Japan. And learning to speak basic Japanese was very useful for relating to people. So the whole, everything that I talk about is how to relate to people. Because people fundamentally are the same all over the world. It's just that we need to communicate with each other. So I spent four years in Asia doing a lot of business development. And as I'm doing business development, I'm usually going into less developed areas of Asia, which means that I have to work with local entrepreneurs to find new ways of doing business. I also get exposed to all kinds of poverty, all kinds of different social situations, which is, I think, where I started waking up to my social purpose, the the thing at the back of my mind I always had, it started coming to the front in the sense that I really started caring about what we were doing as a company with people. A lot of our business was actually to help people reduce their energy consumption. And what was your role at the company? My role was as a technical uh, training manager and business development manager for uh, Southeast Asia. We had a very small group in Hong Kong, and we were meant to grow and develop new business entities across Southeast Asia. So new businesses in Indonesia, new businesses in Vietnam, Philippines, Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, uh, some places in China. So that was really a big part of my my job, that uh, to go around different places and try and develop new businesses. Now, that was exciting, it's fun, but also from a family viewpoint, we were starting to realize that as our daughter was getting older, it was important to start moving around a little bit, meaning moving out of Hong Kong and moving into other parts of the world. So I took another opportunity, moved over to Brazil. And how old was your daughter at this time? She was about three and a half at that point, three and a half, four. We moved over to Brazil and um, I worked in a similar function, except at a more senior level, working with new companies 
uh, as part of my multinational company, developing their businesses, helping them actually develop new products. So there's a lot of new product development and a lot of support in the uh, emerging industries, manufacturing industries across Brazil, across Latin America. And you had to learn Portuguese. I did. I did. I, I needed to learn Portuguese because uh, my staff, there was only one person who could speak English. Everybody else could only speak Portuguese. So uh, by that point, I because I was fluent in French, I was fluent in Spanish and English, learning Portuguese was something that was not as difficult as it is for a lot of people who start off with one language. So I became pretty fluent in Portuguese, which means that by that point, I actually have a lot of exposure to individual across Brazil. And if you're familiar with Brazil, there's a large gap between the well-to-do and the not-so-well-to-do. Um, so every day, we were exposed to, again, poverty, exposed to people in need. And from our viewpoint, we were really concerned about making sure that whatever we did had a positive impact on people. The company I worked for was all about creating new businesses, so that was a positive impact. But about two years into the job, our daughter um, was by that point approximately five and a half, six, uh, was getting to the point where she needed to get into a school system and into a society where everybody was treated a lot more equally than they are in many of the emerging countries. So we moved back to Canada. Um, and in Canada, we put her in a school system where you, in Canada, you have a complete mix and blend of different cultures and ethnicities and languages. And in Canada, our social values are so strong, which is why we came back because we felt that's something that we really need to instill in our daughter, not just at home, but also through our educational system. So when I came back to Canada, from my job viewpoint, I started over with a very, very small entrepreneurial company. Uh, we were very small. We probably had sales of no more than a million dollars or so a year. And over eight or nine years, we brought it up to about $25 million. And at that point, my job was uh, as VP of sales and marketing. So we grew the business to a point where we were then acquired by another larger Canadian company. So that's the entrepreneurial side, but the business side of it was also really important for me because what we did in our business was again focus on improving manufacturing techniques by minimizing waste products, by making working situations easier for individuals because what we manufactured was um, systems and products that actually helps uh, other systems work better to make it easy, mm -hmm. okay? It's essentially a high-tech laser system. So that's what we were working on. And that was fun. That was really good. Did a lot of business development, but I still was looking at how else could I contribute to uh, growing both myself, my family, our daughter's uh, development. So we took a big step and went to the States. We worked in the States for about four years where I worked for a company that then sent me all over the world developing new businesses revolving again around the manufacturing sector. But funny enough, again, this was in a, an environment where we were minimizing waste, 
we're actually increasing energy efficiency all around the, the three R's that everybody knows about in the triple bottom line, which is, again, uh, uh, concern for people, profit, and the planet. And then what are the three R's? Just the three R's, reducing, reusing, recycling. Okay. Uh, all of those things are things that are really important that nowadays, a lot of millennials actually live that, the three R's. It's part of their life. They've grown up with it. Whereas when I grew up, we didn't really have that. We were It was more or less something that we learned. Mm-hmm. So the experience in the States was fun, um, and it was very interesting to be able to work across the world developing new businesses, but uh, we had the call of uh, getting back to Canada again uh, because all of our families in the Toronto area. We came back to Canada. I took a, a business development role in Montreal where uh, it was, again, a very, very small business where we had to generate sales initially we had to do some angel fund investing and so forth uh, requiring people to invest in our company to be able to go back out there and grow the business so we had a very small company we grew it to a fairly significant size so that it was acquired by another company uh, which is again the the purpose of every entrepreneur you grow big enough so that you can get acquired and you can actually generate more profit and then reinvest your interest into something else so from my viewpoint, once we got to that point where we were uh, sold off, um, I went into my one of my true loves, which was the teaching and education of our youth. And one of the things I loved to do was to be able to teach young people several skills on with respect to leadership, with respect to growing businesses, entrepreneurship, and social responsibility. And fast forward to today, right now, I am teaching at the University of Guelph with a core expertise in corporate social responsibility and also teaching people about business consulting and developing new entrepreneurial activities. And uh, that gives you a, a synopsis of uh, changes because if you want to characterize what I've gone through, it's basically been changes every few years I've gone through changes and these changes have shaped my my attitude to life and how I perceive things and also how our family deals with different things that go on in in the world that's interesting man like you probably didn't know a lot of that stuff right yeah, no for sure <laughs> I mean you're there's there's so many people in this world you know including me I'm guilty of it who are afraid of change uh-huh. you know taking that leap but you literally do not care you'll you'll take that leap if you see it um these leaps that you're taking these changes that you're making are they calculated or is it something that um you just take when the opportunity presents itself they're they're uh, half and half it's any entrepreneur knows that half the battle is luck but the way you get the luck is by being at the right place at the right time so i i can't say they're fully calculated to a certain extent they are because you position yourself in a way that you're able to leverage anything into a positive change so the way i see change is a always in a positive light so with change, the first thing you got to do is you question, why should you change? What is the change? You question it completely so that you're satisfied. Once you're satisfied, you try it. You don't shy away from it. If you shy away from change, you will not be able to be a successful either entrepreneur, uh, business person, or individual. And once you've tried it, you embrace it. 
And if you've embraced it, if you're passionate about the change, then you know that you will be successful at whatever it is that you do. So yes, all these changes, and sometimes they were serendipitous, sometimes they were slightly calculated, but being at the right place at the right time is really half the battle. And that that's really what's helped me be who I am at this point in time. Is there any changes that you've made where you're like, oh man, like I messed up with this change? Oh, definitely. Always. And the thing is, if you've messed up, you admit it and you move on. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can give you uh, one or two examples. Let's say, for example, okay, my adventure in Brazil, it was really great, beneficial, but it was probably not the best change for us as a family or for me as a businessman. It was a lateral move meaning that the position was very similar to my previous position. Uh, but the negative side was that it was a change that was too radical socially to really get adjusted very easily. We went from an Asian type of culture to a South American culture, which is fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. But while doing that culture, we had to deal, I had to deal with the issues of going through various loopholes and regulations to get working visas in Brazil, the same time negotiating getting our furniture transferred from Hong Kong to Brazil, which that in itself is a load of paperwork. Anybody who's done international moves knows that. Uh, and then at the same time, getting uh, uh, my family situated, my daughter going to school, my wife getting in adjusted in a culture where English is not a common language. So that was probably not the best change to do, but I still embraced it. I learned a lot from there. I love the people, I love the location, but it may not have been the best change to have done at that point, but it definitely gave me ingredients that helped me grow even further in my next changes. Okay. So a lot of these decisions, you're yep. you're incorporating your daughter and your wife in these decisions. All the time, yes. And... It seems like these decisions you made, they, they were with you. They were supportive with you. Did you ever butt heads with your, your wife or daughter with these decisions that you made? It's, it's natural that there will be disagreements. I, and you have a very good point. Um, and I think anybody who's considering change, you have to consider the impact with their loved ones because any major changes that happen, you need an anchor. You need people who will be your emotional and family support, whatever change it is. Uh, my wife has always been my anchor and uh, any changes that we went through, she was there to support me and any changes that she went through, I was there to support her. Our daughter had less of an impact when she was younger, but as she was became older, of course, she had a little bit more impact. But decisions were made let's call it consensus-driven more than unidirectional. Uh, and when you have a consensus-driven uh, change, then it's that much easier to adjust because if there are too many things to deal with on the outside, you know you can always retreat to your family and that family is there to support you in whatever function they need to support you in. So family is important for me. So that's one of the senses of purposes. And then you go beyond that, the family. And then the, the next thing is the, your social net, the, the people around you, your friends are very important. And then beyond your friends, your colleagues and society itself is something that's very important for your own growth. Okay. And what would you, what advice would you give to someone who 
probably needs to make change. Maybe they're mm-hmm. going through life and they just feel like they're stagnant. Like, what, where do I go? Like, what advice would you give someone who actually needs a change, but they really can't see it? That's a really good question. Um, change is something that has to be embraced individually. But the advice I would give all the time to anybody who's looking at change and is afraid of maybe doing that is to, first of all, question why you're afraid of the change. If it's something that's really different, then question why you feel it's different. A lot of times we're scared of change because it's the unknown. But once you question, you find out that the unknown isn't that scary, then embrace it. Because every change that you do, even though it might seem scary at first, in my opinion, will always be a constructive change for your character building. So I I don't regret any changes I've gone through. I think some changes could have been done a little bit better, but I don't regret anything I went through. And I think it's the same thing I would recommend to anybody who doesn't want to change. I would say question why you don't want to change and see how you should change for the better. Okay. And, you know, going through all these jobs that you've, you've, these jobs, these businesses that you've run, um, that you continue to run. Yes. um, How are you able to develop these skills Uh to actually, you know, be in a manager position, run a company? Like, how did you get to that point? Did you take any courses? Like, what did you do to refine your skills? That's, that's a really good question. Again, it, uh, let's, let's go in the context of, I came out of university with a technical background, engineering background. Um, I did take some courses to learn a little bit about current management thinking, but in fact, one of the best ways to learn is to learn from mentors and to learn from your colleagues. If you have a good mentor, I had a good mentor at my first job who was my boss, and it just happens to be that way. A mentor will guide you in uh, not necessarily avoiding bad decisions, but how to deal with bad decisions because a mentor typically has a little bit more experience. So I've been fortunate. I had a really good mentor in Canada. When I went to Asia, I had a really, really good mentor in Asia who was, a, again, a senior business development uh, uh, gentleman who really helped me understand how to deal not just with cultures but with different people and how to manage a group of people because people are complex. Everybody has their own requirements. Everybody has their own needs. When you're running a business or running a company or running a business unit, you need to learn how to motivate people. And motivation is very unique. So if you can learn the individuals, who they are, uh, you're never patronizing and you're never using them, but you're always working with them. Because if they know they're going to succeed, you know you will succeed. So that's how I essentially learned. And all the other courses I took over over time was partially for interest. I love learning. And I think everybody should always be learning something, no matter what it is, woodworking or management. It doesn't matter. Always learn something. Keep your mind sharp. And I've kept on doing that. So at this point in time, I, uh, I've gone through my MBA. I received my, uh, I defended my PhDs uh, nice. recently. And I'm busy doing research on uh, millennials and learning and project management and leadership. All those things are fun. And whatever I learn, I try and share it back with people that I teach because then I learn more. 
I learn from the people who I teach, uh, who I teach also. So it's a, it's always a, a two way, uh, uh, system. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, um, for all the students you've taught. Yes. You know what I mean? It's, and me and you have been in this role. We like have. You've, you've, uh-huh. you, you go to, through an institution, but at the same time, you're running, um, your own business mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, to you, what would you, so let's say, what advice would you give to a parent that has, yeah. you know, a son or a daughter? Yeah. And what, what would, what advice would you say is more? So in terms of entrepreneurship and going yep. to school. Yeah. Which one, what category would you put those two in? Like oh, if you're, that's interesting. Let's say your, your, uh-huh. your son or daughter, as he said, no, <laughs> I don't want to go to school. Uh-huh. I want to start my own business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, what advice would you give, give a parent? That's. That's really, really good. Really interesting question because th- th- one of the key things about running your own business is passion. Really important. It doesn't matter what you're trying to run. You got to have passion. Um, if a son or daughter wants to go out there and run their own business, I think that's great. They got passion, but then don't stop them. Just tell them, ask them. So what are you passionate about? And they tell you, of course, and you say, great. Now, how do you want to get to the next step, whatever the next step is? And if they say, well, I'm not quite sure, then that's when you can try and guide them towards a program, whether it's college, university, vocational school, doesn't matter what, a program that would support their needs. If they're weak in, uh, let's say, business management, for example, you might want to suggest a course or a degree or a certificate in business management. But the whole point is your son or daughter won't succeed if they can't see the uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. They need to see that whatever they're studying is going to get them to succeed at this entrepreneurial activity. Many of my students, yourself included, had and have successful businesses that they're running at the same time as they're going to school. And then I ask them, so why are you still in school? And part of it is I... It's many reasons. Everybody's got their own reasons. Some of them is, I want to finish this because this is going to give me the credentials. Other ones, I want to learn something that's going to help my business. Other people, I want to network. I know that school allows me to network with other uh, similar-minded people. Everybody have their reasons, has their reasons, and it's important for the parent to not put a roadblock in the way of the passion of your child. Because your child has a passion, never, ever, ever discourage it. Um, it, it for example, if, if somebody wants to do bow ties, as an example, mm-hmm. and they're very good at it, why not? Nothing wrong with that. I have people that I know they've started businesses and even less than that. So the whole point of, of, of uh, trying to guide your son or daughter is to guide them towards something that they will be happy doing. I don't agree with parents sending students to school just to go to school. And it doesn't have to be just to get a trade. If somebody wants to go to school and be an arts major, fantastic. Because being an arts major is a passion and a vocation. If you want to be a business major, fantastic. That's a passion and vocation. Does that kind of address a yeah, little bit? Yeah, for okay. sure. For sure. And, you know, let's say... Um, you had a son or daughter who yep. did not want to go to school, right. but they had a specific plan that was clear and made sense yep. as to how they were going to achieve, yes. you know, their business goals. 
Yeah. Is that something you'd be satisfied with or would you still want them to go to school and, you know, figure out a way to go to a program that relates to what they're doing, so to speak? That's a, that's a good question. And, and, um, I think every individual is going to be a little different. If the person, uh, if the son or daughter has uh, an amazing idea and they're passionate about it and they don't need to go to school to leverage that, I'd say, fine, go for it. But at one point in your life, go and take additional courses. And it's Absolutely. not just for the learning sake, but for the collegial aspect of dealing with other people. We're a social world and you can't get a sense of who you are and where you belong in this world unless you're exposed to other people. So in some way or another, even if it's part time, take some courses because it will enrich you. Uh, people who are totally dead set against school, maybe successful, that's great. But 30 years from now, they'll say, hmm, I wish I could have taken at least one course in whatever subject they wanted. I think people should follow their passion, but I also believe strongly in education. And that's obvious since I teach yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a profession now. I teach, I also do business consulting, I also work in, in other areas, but one of the key things I find is that if you've gone to school in some way or form or another, it's enriched your life so much more. If you don't have to go to school, if you have this amazing idea, fantastic. If you're a natural talent, natural entrepreneur, as I think most people are, by all means, do develop that, but in some way or another, try and get education in there. I agree, 100%. So Ruben, yes. what's next? What's <laughs> next for you? That's a, that's a really good question. I've gone through, I would say, two or three stages in my life. I've gone through the technical stage. I've gone through the business development stage, entrepreneurial stage. I am now in the research and academic stage. What's next for me is to transfer as much of what I have in me into the minds of people, uh, young students or old students, doesn't matter, but students who take any of my courses. My key expertise right now is working on social responsibility, making that and integrating that into every business people and non-business people's way of thinking. So that means that whatever you do in business, you have to have a sense of purpose behind it because that purpose is going to define your brand. It's going to define the culture of a company that you work within. And that is, we can, we can make it very mechanistic and say, you know, A, B, C, D, E, or you can say it's your passion. That's your sense of purpose. But that is important because to be a successful entrepreneur, I think I have to share a lot of the uh, right and wrong things I've done and also how actually working within society means that you have to consider not just society, but the environment around you and also consider that to be successful in this society, you do have to make some kind of a profit of some sort to be able to sustain you enough to continue doing what you really believe in. You don't have to be a billionaire. You can. And if you're successful, fantastic. But you can be successful and still make a big impact on the people around you. So for me, what's next is to keep sharing myself. So let's put it this way. 
I'm, I am a cup of water. I am full to the top and I want to start dribbling it out to everybody else. Perfect analogy. <laughs> As a business owner, the more you can leverage your time, the better it is for your company. There is this amazing online resource called Fiverr, where you can hire someone for just $5 to do just about any task for you. Whether it be logo design, market research, videography, or website building, Fiverr has it all. Please go to iamkobe.com forward slash resources and click on the Fiverr icon to make an account. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Purpose Round, where we ask our entrepreneurs the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind their business and their entrepreneurial journey. Ruben, what is your purpose? My purpose is my passion. My passion is to teach young folks, young people, our millennials, our students about how to make a difference that is meaningful in their life in everything they do. And that includes working in a business and being uh, within their social environment. So my purpose is really to transfer the good things that can happen out there into everybody so that everybody has their own sense of purpose that will impact the world positively. It sounds a little bit trite to say that, but in fact, that is what needs to happen. If we have a little bit of consideration in this world, that will help all the negative vibes are happening in our political arena and our business arena. So a little bit of positive thinking goes a long way in either your entrepreneurial activities or in your social activities. What is an everyday habit that adds value to your purpose? An everyday habit? I have two everyday habits. One is to exercise. I am a fanatic about either running or cycling. So I will do that at least once a day, which allows me to meditate and get back in touch with my body, my feelings, my mind, my breathing and everything else. That's one. The second thing is to always take notice of the people that you love in some way or another, whether it's making sure that you share at least a meal with the person that you love or share thoughts or emotions or even saying hi to people that you are connected to. That will always ground you back into reality. So those two things are really key. If you could have a conversation with one person living or dead, who would it be and why? Wow. One person living or dead. I would really be interested in talking with Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela went through so many different experiences that shaped the way he was, but all through these different experiences, he maintained a core of honesty, integrity, and sincerity that I don't think I've seen in many other people. Nelson Mandela died as a free man, and he started life not as a free man, but in his heart, he was always free. And that's something that I think people should read his books, should read his biography, really learn from somebody like Nelson Mandela. Absolutely. Yeah. What is your main strategy for organizing your day? I, I have to depend on my main strategy as, uh, as I'll go back to my technical training as an engineer. To-do list. 
I know it's a little bit boring, but get yourself a to-do list. And no matter what business you're in, even if it's on paper and uh, on a smartphone, doesn't matter what. The biggest satisfaction you will get is as you're going down your to-do list, when you cross it off, every time you cross off something that you had written on your to-do list, there's a sense of accomplishment. So the more things you cross off, the better it is. And if you're a paper person, write your to-do list on a scrap piece of paper. So at the end of the day, you can crumple up that piece of paper, throw it in the garbage. That sense of accomplishment is amazing because then you can do the same thing over and over again every day. So the to-do list will help you accomplish all those little things that scaffold into one big accomplishment at the end. What was your worst entrepreneurial moment and what did you learn from it? Wow. Okay. My worst entrepreneurial moment, I would say, would be when uh, I was working for a small company. I'll remain nameless. We went for some investment uh, assistance and I didn't come across as passionately as I could have about the products that we were trying to to get funding are looking and listening to your pitch are not just listening to your business pitch, but they're listening to see how much do you believe in your product? Because if you believe in your product, then the business side is just a little bit of homework that can be fixed. Truly successful entrepreneurs really believed in what they were trying to sell uh, and what they were trying to design or build. And I think that's, uh, I learned a lot from that. So that from then on, I really made uh, a point of researching what I was trying to pitch and making sure I believed in it. Not false belief, but true, sincere belief in it. So that when I was explaining it to anybody, it came through in my voice, in my movement, in my eyes, in my passion. If you had to build a business from the ground up with only $100, how would you leverage that? Wow. With only $100? Only 100 well, I may not need a hundred dollars because the business would have to be for myself anyways, would be leveraged for my social contacts. Uh, your success is defined by, in my sense, my success is defined by how, how much my social contacts benefit from the business. So I would use them to leverage whatever solution I have into there are other contacts. I believe strongly in the power of networking. So a hundred dollars is not very much, but a dollar is probably all I need. So if I've built up enough social contacts, I don't need any money to then get FaceTime in front of somebody else. Once I have FaceTime with somebody who's influential and I believe strongly in a particular product, then that's all I need. The hundred dollars is just something I can sit in the bank and and basically pay for the gas to get there, I guess. Nice. <laughs> All right. Which app or online tool do you use every day to help contribute to your success? Well, the one app um, or the online, the tool that I use is my smartphone. Uh, and the reason I'll, I'll uh, mention that is because within the smartphone, I have access to a variety of apps. Whenever I'm curious about something, I'll go and search using obviously the Google search engine as, as always. But if I have to communicate with people, I'll use everything from standard WhatsApp through the phone, through text messages, whatever my other person, my other contact needs to be communicated with. And the beauty of the smartphone is that it has 
everything you need in there. Whenever I'm looking for news information, I can go into my Bloomsburg news app. I can go into a CBC app. I can go into uh, Flipboard. There's all kinds of apps out there. For me, the thing that I really can't live without is going to be my smartphone. It does the same thing as any computer, but I can carry it with me everywhere. Nice. What's the best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received. I've got uh, over 50 years worth of advice. (laughs) So the best one I've received was from one of my mentors who said to me, never be afraid to either quit or leave a job for something you believe in. He told me that if I really believe in something, you should present it as something you believe in because once you start not believing in it, you won't enjoy your job or your life and then you become uh, bitter and uh, that affects everything else around you, your social milieu, your family and everything else. So I strongly believe in that. Never be afraid to walk away, quit or be fired from a job if you believe in something. List your top three most influential books. Hmm. Influential books. Okay. There, let's see now. I have a few books, uh, I keep on my shelf all the time. Um, how about if I put some authors as opposed to books? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Mintzberg. Uh, he is a Henry Mintzberg. He's a strategy thinking, uh, uh professor out of uh, Montreal. And every book he's written is amazing, dealing with emerging strategy and different kinds of strategy to look at. Uh, I really enjoy reading all of his books. Then uh, uh, another a classical author is Charles Handy. He's a, somebody who is in the business world, and he truly believes in the power of people and how people make a difference rather than just technology. So I love reading Charles Handy. Um, and then I'll go into um, a non-traditional book, okay? Because I, I strongly believe that you should also always have different kinds of interest. So anything by Tolkien. So J.R. Tolkien, that's Lord of the Rings, for those of you who uh, are not into that. Because a little bit of imagination is important. And in Lord of the Rings, you see a lot of imagination. You see a lot of social settings. And that in itself is important to get you away from the day-to-day to actually get you thinking creatively. So I want people to think with creativeness, let's put it that way, with rational thinking through strategic thinking, and also with a social consciousness through the the works of Charles Handy. All right. Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. That most people don't agree with me on? Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. A lot of people say that corporate social responsibility and business don't mix. A lot of people in business even say that. I disagree with that entirely. I say that corporate social responsibility is integral to business. It is a core purpose of business. Without corporate social responsibility, you don't have a business that is sustainable 
Because when you design social responsibility into your business, you have a moral and ethical support of your stakeholders all the time. And a, a stakeholder, a customer, a shareholder who understands why you are in business and that your business has a purpose to it will be much more forgiving than somebody who looks at you as just making a quick buck. They'll leave you in a flash if you, they see that you're not doing well, if, if they don't believe in your purpose. So that's, I think, something that uh, a lot of businessmen don't believe that corporate social responsibility is important in their business, and I disagree with them. It's got to be part of everything they do. Is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners? Uh, Kobe, you, you, uh, you and I go way back, and uh, 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 one of the important things that I think uh, I've shared with you a few times is that you really have to believe uh, in what you do. Um, I've seen you passionate about what you do and you've seen me also be passionate in some of my speeches and uh, the, the key message I would give to your listeners is that whatever you believe in, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever you believe in, be passionate about it, believe in it, make sure people know that you're passionate about what you're doing and that is in fact infectious. So your passion will be infectious if you have a sense of purpose to your passion, that will get people to be uh, to want to be with you. And once you have people with you, then you can conquer pretty much anything. Absolutely. And how can the Purposeful Story family reach out to you and follow you on your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, they can reach out to me and follow me in several ways. You can go into LinkedIn. Uh, my profile is in there. So just go in Ruben Berga. I'm, I believe, the only Ruben Berga in the world. <laughs> so you can go that way. Or you can uh, go into the University of Guelph faculty and uh, find me. I teach in the Department of Management there. Um, and then uh, through my network of friends and contacts, you can find me. Kobe is a great contact to go to. So <laughs> he'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Ruben, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this talk. No problem. Thanks. Thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Peace. That's all for this episode. I hope listening to this podcast left you with valuable information that either strengthened your purpose or helped bring you closer to finding your purpose. We all have a different journey in life. And this podcast is in support of everyone's purposeful journey. Thank you so much for tuning in because without you, there is no Purposeful Story podcast. Please feel free to email me at info at and let me know what you thought of this episode. To help spread the valuable information this podcast has to offer, all I ask is for you to subscribe to the podcast via the Apple Podcast app, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music or CastBox, give a rating, and pass this podcast on to one friend that you feel could benefit from this information. Don't forget to follow I Am Kobe Talks on Instagram for updates on new episodes and go to IamKobe.com forward slash Purposeful Story for more valuable content. Special thanks to DJ Anna for the beats and Lala Writes for the editing. Before you go, please remember that purpose drives your actions and your actions are a result of your purpose. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon. Wow, wow, wow.